0: This program is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and
1: Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature n, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil, and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scots Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au.
0: Good morning and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. It's our question and answer day today. I hope that you are going well and you've had a lovely Christmas and we're all looking forward to a wonderful new year. Certainly 2020, most of us are glad to see it gone behind us but we've got a great 21 coming up and we will be bringing you a whole bunch of great gardening advice via the Garden Gurus TV show on Channel Nine, of course, and also uh, via our Garden Gurus Live, which we're really fortunate to have had the support of the guys from Love the Garden and also our friends who always support us, um, our friends at Garden Express. Now, today's all about answering your garden questions. I'm Trevor Cochran. I'm really looking forward to sharing some of my knowledge with you today And the simple way to do it, of course, is to jump on and just simply post your question with us. If you have a photograph, if it's something you're asking specifically about, take a photograph of the plant and uh, it'll help me with regards to identifying it. And speaking of that, always make sure you tell us where you are from, what state and ideally what town or city. Um, It really does help a lot because of climatic variances here in Australia. We're such a big continent. Now, today we have a whole bunch of prizes to give away as well. Thanks to our friends at Fothergill Seeds, we have got nine packets. Nine, do you like that? Of amazing seeds uh, that uh, is now time to be planting in your garden. So we'll be giving one to each of our favourite questions. So send them through. We've already got a heap flowing through. And remember us if you um, you know if you like what you're seeing on today's show. Please like it um, or share it with your friends. It's really it helps us a lot as we work to provide help with people with their backyards and front yards and just making your garden a better place to enjoy. Now, to get on with the show, I'm gonna move straight on to our very first question, which has come from Molly Mook in New South Wales. Jill, hello, how are you? You've got a self-seeded fig tree that came up in a pot. Now you planted it into the garden four years ago and whilst it has grown quite large, still has no fruit. Now should you persevere or should you buy a new one? My recommendation is that you actually buy a new one. The problem with seedling figs is that you might end up with a really good fig variety. You, You might. You might also never get a fig from it or the figs themselves may be dry or not very good. Now this is the problem with uh, with seedling plants is that they will often do that. The other thing with figs is that they can be enormous. So some of those seedlings can grow into enormous trees uh, and not produce a lot of good fruit for you. So. My advice is go for a variety that you really like. You know, now is the time to be heading into your local fruit and veg store. And of course, you can get all sorts of amazing different fruit to try. And just note what that variety is, then head into your local garden centre, pick that tree up or jump online and order it with somebody like Garden Express. It's such an easy way to get plants delivered direct to your door. So my advice is no, I wouldn't persevere with it. There is one other thing you can do though. You can cut it back and you can always graft a variety onto it if you are that way inclined and you want to have a bit of a challenge. A little side graft off the stem of a, uh, of a rootstock will deliver you a beautiful tree. So that is another option for you. Now we're moving to Southeast Melbourne. Hello to everybody in Melbourne. Stacy, hello, good morning to you. You planted a dwarf cherry tree last month and the leaves have been curling ever since. Now you've been watering it regularly and it's in full sun. Do I know why this could be happening and how to treat it? Well, let me tell you, I'm sure that it is shock. So it's not an unusual thing for them when they've got a bit of transplant shock to go through that. And the simple solution for that is to just soak the soil, soak the ground, and even over a bit of the foliage with Seasol. Now, Seasol is such a great anti-stress soil conditioner, and uh, it's really about getting the plant's root system healthy. And that's all you're seeing at the moment is that transplant shock. Basically, the leaf is curling to hold moisture, which indicates there's been a little bit of root damage or there's not enough moisture in around the roots. But once the, the, the plant has been hydrated, you'll see those leaves flatten out like that. And they want to be flat like that because they're wanting the, all that green uh, on, the, on the leaf itself of course is all about generating energy from the sun so you want that big open flat space so that the plant can photosynthesize and generate um, energy and sugars to keep it growing strongly now we're moving to queensland hello everybody up in queensland helen you've got a tropical garden in part shade you hate palms and now you need to plant it you hate palms and now you need to plant it in a full sun position in garden bed. Any ideas on what to plant? You've got heliconius, elephant ears, um, you've got ginger, and they're all in the part shade. So I'm assuming you're looking for other plants to put in there that are not palms. Um, there's such a huge range of different um, plants that could go into that sort of environment. And the question I'd have is what kind of trees you've got around the outside you might be able to put. Uh, something like a Beaumontia, one of those beautiful, big trumpet-flowered, um, beautifully fragrant um, climbers with large, lush leaves up there. You could be adding things like some, you know, when you're in Queensland and you do have tropical, you can grow things like Diffenbachia or, or Monstera or Philodendrons. They could all be um, added to the collection there. So they are probably ideas. Again, this is where um, sending us a photograph really does help an awful awful lot. Now, um, you've got a second question too, and it's how to get rid of massive caterpillars eating beautiful new foliage. Gardenia is not happy being eaten. Well, look, probably the most common treatment for caterpillars is success. So it's a biological agent, uh, bacteria, and uh, it affects caterpillars once they've eaten it. It gets into their stomach and stops them from digesting. So that's the simple solution, but I'll have a natural one for you that I'm gonna reveal in the first episode of The Garden Gurus this season, which will kick off in uh, the 20th of February. So uh, we're already planning and just about to start filming a whole bunch of stuff for The Garden Gurus. Hard to believe we're, uh, we're here and we're doing all that again uh, after 20 years. Now, Judy is in Bendigo, and she's got a great crop of grossless tomatoes, but half of them seem bruised or rotted on the underside. Now, uh, we only water the roots, so you're not sure why this is happening, any ideas. Now, it it could be one of two things. You could have fruit fly, because that can leave like a bruising and a rotting in the fruit. Uh, And again, yellow sticky traps are a good way to go. Success is another treatment that you can spray over them. Uh, It does actually affect really positively. But my gut feeling is that this may be more like something like blossom end rot, which occurs quite commonly in tomatoes, uh, capsicums, even chilies. And this is a lack of calcium in the soil. And my suggestion is that you do get some calcium into the soil. And a simple way to do it is to add garden lime or dolomite and that's going to assist greatly because I suspect that that's more likely what it is. But just worthwhile checking the fruit and see if you can see any little grubs inside them. Because if you're seeing lots of little uh, little maggots in around where the, uh, where the rotted side is, that's gonna be fruit fly sting for sure. Now we're heading over here to WA. It's a beautiful day today in the west. And Kerry from Nollamara has uh, sent uh, sent us a note through, and she's quite right. It's been a stinker of a summer over here. We've had so many days, over 35, quite a few in the 40s, and plants are really struggling. And she wants to know about her bonsai. Should should they be watering it twice a day? Any plant that's in a pot should be getting watered twice a day. Simple answer, Kerry. It's, it's really hot and dry here, and when you've got hot, dry winds, which... For a period of time, we had e- easterly winds coming off the desert that was so dry, and literally plants are stressing everywhere. One thing you can do to reduce heat stress is to apply something like sea salt. So that seaweed extract really assists plants with regards to handling extreme success, uh, stress. Now, uh, Marie said to say, she's from Hobart, thanks for the cucumber seeds, hope they're going well, Marie. You're very welcome. Uh, Karen. Unknown, we're not sure where you're from, but is it too early to plant bulbs? It's too early to plant bulbs, but it's not too early to buy them. So you should be getting them now. So place your orders online, Garden Express, that's a simple way to do it. You can order it, get them delivered to your doorstep, and then pop them in the crisper in the fridge, okay? Put them in a bag, leave them in the crisper, ideally for about three to four weeks. And uh, in around that sort of, two to four degrees Celsius, that's gonna trigger that flowering process and you are going to get some great flowers come springtime. The time, uh, sorry, come winter time. really, they'll come into sort of winter and early spring. I should say that the thing that you wanna keep in mind is that it's probably gonna be late March, early to mid April when you'll start putting them into the ground, so I hope that helps. David, we're also unknown, so please folks, tell us where you're from, it really does help. What's the best way to get rid of wandering dew? It is a horrendous weed, that one. So it's a traitor scantier. It's a um, terrible, terrible um, weed once it gets established. And the only way to really control it is to either hit it with a, a herbicide or alternatively weed it by hand. And you need to be prepared to keep doing that. Now, once you've gone through and weeded it, go through, cultivate the soil, water it down, encourage it to regrow, and then go and cultivate the soil again. That will kill off a lot of the seeds, but you're gonna have to watch it for the next 12 months. And remember, if you're watching today's show, um, please let us know what you think of the show, give us your comments, and and always please put a like up for us. It really helps with getting people aware of what we're doing. And, And at the same time, I can answer your questions as well. And I've got another one of Sarah, I'm not sure where you are from. You love the show. You're a new gardener. You've replanted beans, tomatoes, zucchini and sweet potatoes. Crossing your fingers, you'll get more veggies and you will do. So now's a good time to be getting all of those into the ground because they love the warm weather. So just keep the water up to them. It's a big challenge this time of the year, but you should do very well. Melissa is in Melbourne and she seems to be lacking bees this year. Year. Any tips on getting them back into the garden? Well, flowers are the way to get bees into the garden. So have a look at the plants that you're growing and have a look at the plants that are in flower in your neighborhood. That's the best way to work out what you should add to your garden. So the more flower, the more bees, cause they're just looking for food. They're gonna forage those flowers, get lots and lots of nectar and take it back to the hive and of course, turn it into honey. Um, Melissa, take a walk around the neighborhood, If you are not sure what it is, just take a photo of it. You can take that into your local garden center. There's also some really cool little apps now that will actually tell you what a plant is by just taking a photograph of the flower. So that'll allow you to collect a database of the plants that you might want to add. And if you did this once a month, you'll end up with a monthly year round flowering cycle, which will mean you'll have bees all year round. Hope that helps, Tracy. We're not sure where you're from. You're a new. You're new to gardening. You've got a dwarf lemon, mandarin, and a lime tree. Well done. Those dwarf trees are amazing. You've had four lemons, and now you've noticed bird poop on the top of the soil, and the leaves that were that were on the tree have wilted and doesn't look too well. Hmm, it's a bit unusual. A um, water every couple of days, especially in this warm weather and you've given it fertilizer. Now you're not sure what you should do now. I would be getting some sea soil onto it. It's it's highly likely it's stress again. Um, That's a really common problem this time of the year. And look, it might be worthwhile looking at that sea soil with wetting agent in it because that'll ensure that water's getting down. And if there's wilting and it's water stress, it might be you've got some dry pockets in the soil that's stressing roots, which is stressing the plant. They're always gonna be your big indicator. So maybe sea soil, wetting agent, give that a go and it'll make a big difference. Now, Dave from Melbourne. He's got one of my favourite plants. If you love bamboos, there's one called Alphonse Car. It's a beautiful golden one with painted green stripes all the way down. It's absolutely gorgeous. Dave has got 11 Alphonse Car bamboos planted, which went in just over two years ago. Most of them have grown heaps except for the middle one. Is it better to just replace that one with a new one? Um, <sighs> It's hard to see how one wouldn't, I'm I'm assuming you've planted them down the side of a driveway or something that's, or a fence, I I think that's the the effect you're looking for. Um, It's highly likely the one in the middle will take off. It might be just taking longer to establish, short of you having planted it on top of something that's affecting the the root growth or it's been impacted some way by maybe a, a herbicide or something. But even then, bamboo's pretty hardy. I would check the watering I suspect that it's actually water that'll be holding it back. So check the watering. make sure that that particular one is getting water direct to it. And I think it'll catch up with the rest of them. Now, um, Sarah, in Penrith in New South Wales, pretty hot in Penrith at certain times of the year, you get some really hot conditions, but of course we've had lots of water in New South Wales. So things are, um, things you're going from one extreme to the other. What I would recommend you do is, is you, what you're wanting to do here is protect your veggies in the heat. And I, I'd recommend that you put up a little temporary shade screen. You can, uh, you can build resilience in veggies. And again, we're talking about it a lot this morning, but sea soil, it's such a great um, heat stress, um, drought stress protector, and it does build up um, an, uh, a better cellular structure in the leaf that's able to handle that extreme condition. So maybe a combination of sea soil application, do it over the foliage this time of the year, as well as in around the roots, and uh, a little bit of shea cloth over the top. Okay, we've gone to Cat. Now Cat, you didn't tell us where you're from, but how do you get frangipani seeds to grow and why? Is it that, uh, why? Is it they then can be registered a new name? I get what you're saying. So, so you're wondering whether you're going to get some, some variants appear uh, as a result of growing them from seed. And the answer is, You probably will because they do vary a lot. And and really what it is, is hopefully you've got, let's say a red one and and a yellow one or a cream and they, they are pollinated, they produce seeds and both parents influence what the babies are going to look like so you should get lots of variants within that now um, you you grow them from seed quite easily this time of the year so it's all about humidity in the soil and keeping the soil consistently moist you don't actually need to treat the seed in any way you can stick it in boiling water just briefly before you go and plant it and sow it but um, you just need to put it into a good seed raising mixture to be quite honest and keep the moisture up and a high humidity ideally, and they will germinate. They do take a fair bit of time and they do take about three to four years to produce flowers. So um, keep those things in mind. Once they've produced flowers, if you see something that's completely unique, Yes, you can register it as a, as a unique variety. And there's a, there's a way that you do that. It's called Plant Breeders' Rights. And you can actually then name it and accordingly then commercialise it, sell it, grow cuttings and share it around. Hope that helps. Um, Helen is joining us and it's just a comment. You love the show each week. Thanks for joining us, Helen, we really appreciate it. And you want a book, so congratulations. Thank you so much. I learned so much from the info you give. Thank you so much for your kind comments, Helen. Happy New Year to you. Grace has joined us from Perth and she wants to attract lady beetles into the garden. The good old ladybugs. Now, what plants do you recommend for full sun? Ladybugs do love flowers. So the more flowers that you've got, the better off you are going to be. Um, Really important at the moment, Uh, to be looking around at the flowers that you can bring into the garden. Things like calendulas, marigolds, things that love hot weather. Not so much for some strange reason, petunias. And it's probably because they don't get a lot of aphids and so on. And aphids, just to make it clear, ladybugs, as a general comment, are very good. There's a lot of varieties of them. But, but the vast majority are very good predators and they tend to eat things like aphids and scales and some of those kinds of insects that can be quite a problem this time of the year. So you do want good populations, but try and try and plant um, you know a lot of flower into the garden. And of course, roses, without doubt, I think are probably one of the number one aphid attractors. So if you've got some rose bushes, that will bring ladybugs into your garden, lady beetles, as you've called them. Michael has joined us and he's... Provide us with a photograph. Now this is really interesting. and There's a a really good lesson to learn from this. So have a look at this photo and you'll see it's a plant that is growing a little seed that's germinated in the mulch and it's growing through the weed mat. Now he's identified that he's getting wattle seedlings sprouting around the base of his wattle tree, but this one looks very weird with different leaves. Now those little ferny leaves, those ones at the bottom, they are what we call the cotyledons, the very first seeds, uh, leaves leaves to emerge from the seed. But the mature leaves, as the as the plant starts to mature and grow, are the next ones that are coming through. So you're seeing it. It looks to me like that is an acacia saligna or polarifolia. So it's one of those sort of broad-leafed acacias um, or wattles. And the thing with this, the, the lesson to learn from this also is that if you are shredding you know your your if you're getting um, green waste coming in that's been shredded for example wattle trees and they've had seeds on them you might actually start getting those seeds coming through in your mulch and uh, you might end up with a with a tree emerging. So you do have to be a little bit on the careful side with regards to whether you want the whether you want the, the seeds or whether you don't want the seeds that's a really important thing to be cautious with. Wow, how are we going here? We've still got, we've got questions coming through left, right and centre. Carla, I'm not sure where you're from but you've got a teddy bear magnolia and it was looking great and then out of the blue it decided to die. Now you've got another one next to it and it's doing really well. That is very unusual. Magnolias, once they're established, they're almost impossible to kill off. They're a really hardy tree. And uh, teddy bear is probably one of the hardiest that's been um, introduced into Australia. It is a fantastic variety with brown furry um, undersides to the leaves and that's how it got its name. Now, uh, I would suggest if it's died completely, you're obviously gonna have to replace it. Um, And I I doubt very much that it's a root rot or anything that could spread to another tree. It's more likely something that's caused severe stress and it could be a borer, but more likely, there's possibility that water's not getting to it, I would think, Carla. So my suggestion would be that you do have a bit of a think about, um, about that.
1: Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high-quality, German-made wolfgarten tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Guru's Facebook page. Use the code GURUS for free shipping on orders over $30. Offer ends 31st of October.
0: Now, Michaela's gonna scroll this screen up for me so I can have a look at the next one coming through. <laughs> Thanks, Michaela. Remember, we're a team here um, pulling this all together and we've got Michaela and Jimmy. They're the um, the A team, they're in today, so we're very lucky and they're making sure that everything ticks over beautifully. Maz from Ipswich in Queensland, great part of the world. I'm um, wondering your thoughts on which cherry you would suggest for me to grow. Um, You want to get big fruit on a small tree well there are some certainly some dwarf cherries i'm not so sure that you're going to get cold enough during the winter maz to be able to grow fruit on your cherry and you might want to be thinking about one of the tropical cherries a brazilian cherry um, or grumachama, which is another type of um, tropical cherry they they're, they're not a true cherry in the fruit but they have a very similar sort of sweet flavor and sized fruit and generally the same sort of color As far as uh, cherry trees to grow in a warmer climate, um, remembering you're going to need a pollinator. So you could probably look at Bing and Stella, which do pretty well in Perth. They'll produce crops, particularly uh, Stella. She's a a really good producer and she does produce large fruit and you can get dwarf trees. I know that um, that, uh, Garden Express had some, we featured them on the Garden Gurus in the last series. Have a think about that. Um, you, what you really want to do is work out your number of chill hours. So cherries to produce fruit need to have chill hours and those chill hours um, will dictate whether, uh, if, if, if there's enough of them, whether you're going to get fruit. Now I know in Perth we can kind of manipulate the environment a little bit, little bit during winter by throwing uh, some water, uh, some cold water or alternatively ice down on the ground on the surface because it's about chilling the roots. but. Um, I don't know whether you want to go to that much at Maz. I hope that helps. Okay. Um, Kathy from Muche in WA. Mouchet is a beautiful part of the world too. And there's a lot of nurseries up around there, um, but it gets really hot. And Kathy has written to say her veggies have been getting fried from the heat. Now she's used good soil and mulch and she waters regularly. Should she cover her plants with mesh? Shea cloth, I would suggest yes. I, I tend to think it's pretty hard to beat that. Um, now, just on shade cloths, there's different types of shade cloth, right? So, you know, there's this black shade cloth and there's green shade cloth. There's also white shade cloth and white shade cloth will protect the plants from excessive UV. It actually reflects it off, um, but it also disperses light really evenly to the plants underneath it. And that's what growers tend to go for. So you'll find most growers will actually go for um, a nice light one because they're looking for even growth of the plant, so nice consistent growth and um, what you tend to find is plants that grow under white shade cloth have bigger leaves. So a little suggestion, maybe look for white shade cloth ahead of the different colours that are available. Now Jan, I'm not sure where you are, but something tells me that you're probably over here in the west. You've suffered catastrophic heat in the past week and your passion fruit vine needs some help. Can I suggest a good potion to help get it back on its feet? Sea salt. It's going to be a common theme today, I'm sorry. but. The thing is that sea soil is such a brilliant way to counteract the damage caused by um, heat stress. And we're, we're all seeing it. It's It's been um, massive here in the West. As I said, so many days over 35, so many days over 40, um, we're really seeing the damage on lawns and plants in the garden. So if you're not able to keep the water up to them, they are going to start to stress. And passion fruit are a classic where they'll suddenly go all droopy. So Give give it some sea salt, but water it over the foliage, water it around the roots and your plant should be good. Sarah, not sure where you're from. Sarah, does the Garden Gurus have a veggie planting calendar? Um, we can post one on our Facebook page later today. We certainly do. We, we don't do it as regularly as we, as we used to. We actually put out a diary a few years ago. It was a very handy way to know month by month what to plant. And maybe that's a project for me to undertake at some point this year as well. Thanks, Sarah, that's um, it's a good point. Gail, not sure where you're from. Gail, please let us know and don't forget to like. Um, the page uh, as you're going along. If you like what we're doing, what we're trying to do to help gardeners, then please like it and share it with your friends. Gail, um, another question, why does my citrus trees, lemons, mandarins and orange, shed their crop? She's feeding them with dynamic lifter and citrus food three times a year. Now I'm trying to, it's a really unusual thing for them to shed their crop and it suggests probably that a little bit of potash might come in. So I don't know whether you've been using sulphate of potash, but it's certainly a lot better than dynamic lifter, which is high in nitrogen and just encourages growth. Um, The other thing to do is to make sure that you back the water off. If your trees are, are lush and healthy and getting lots of nitrogen, lots of greenness, lots of growth. They don't need to produce a lot of fruit because the tree itself is actually pretty healthy and it's, it's feeling like it's pretty safe. When you back the water off and you don't allow it to have too much of that sort of stuff, you are going to be doing okay. So you're going to get good crops that way. And um, my grandfather used to leave an ax leaning ag- up mm-hmm. against some of his citrus trees as well. And uh, that always seemed to promote very strong crops. A um, little bit of psychological encouragement. Don't know whether that's true or not, but anyway. Chris from Central Coast in New South Wales. Hello, Chris. My tomatoes are not ripening due to recent rainy weather and my bush is starting to yellow off with lower leaves. Any suggestions? Yeah, the yellowing off could be um, actually something quite different. It could be that the plant itself is starting to suffer from, there's a few different diseases that tomatoes can get and it does tend to happen either in extreme dry or when you're hot and very moist. So my recommendation is to make sure that you do avoid too much water getting in around the roots because there's nothing worse than hot, moist conditions affecting your tomatoes. You end up with everything starting to turn yellow and that's just that hot, moist weather. So I hope that helps, Chris. Um, Helen, you've got a problem with your pencil pines. Um, Are they okay to plant behind a small garden wall? Uh, No, I wouldn't recommend it because they've got a pretty decent root system. They get to be quite large. And they're another one that doesn't like hot, moist conditions. So be very careful. Queensland can have that sort of problem. I would make sure that you've got lots of root system um, available because you want those roots to be really healthy and have a bit of room because it's a big, tall tree. It needs to make sure it supports it. Um, There is a a very, very compact, tight form of pencil pine that's very upright and erect, and um, that's the best one of the lot because some of them can be droopy. And particularly as they get older, they sort of, they tend to droop um, a little bit on the sides. So look for the the compact erect form. That's very important. I hope that helps. Um, and remember, be careful with the hot, moist conditions. Um, Jenny from Melbourne. You've got two passion fruits planted side by side that have never fruited. Why is that? That's a bit unusual. I'm not sure how long you've had them in the garden, but um, passion fruit should really fruit almost in the first year, and certainly second year you should be getting lots and lots of fruit. Be great for you to post a picture, Jenny, so maybe if you could do that. One thing that I would recommend you do is that you make sure you avoid um, giving them too much nitrogen, too much water. Once your passion fruit vines have established, it's it's good just to, to water them maybe twice a week in really hot, dry conditions. Um, if, you're in, if you're getting summer rainfall, I, don't, I wouldn't give them any additional water at all. Now, Leonie from Adelaide, I'm not sure what I did wrong to you, Leonie, but you've sent me a photograph and it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. You've got a large, let's well it's a small standing plant and you've been using it for your veggies. You've obviously got a lot of organic matter in the soil based on these photographs that we're looking at. Now you often find these small cup-like things in groups around the topsoil and it's a fungus. Um, you've, you've sort of thought to yourself, um, I wonder what they are and what are they doing? Well, they're actually not doing any harm um, if they offend you if you find that you don't like them an awful lot you can get rid of them and the way you do that is by adding garden lime into the soil so changing the pH tends to make the environment not very conducive to them reproducing but what you're basically seeing there is the fruiting body of a um, of a puff mushroom. So these um, typically produce a lot of spores that'll float around and they're only eating the organic matter and they're breaking it down, turning it into fertilizer. So in a way they're doing a lot of good for the soil. And my recommendation is you just leave them Um, the other thing you can do of course is cultivate and if you're cultivating the soil that'll bring those uh, those little um, toadstools or mushrooms um, back and they won't be so noticeable but i wouldn't worry too much i think that's all okay now i'm going to get michaela to scroll Mm -hmm. up for me because nadim in perth has got a guava tree and you got it four years ago it's got lots of flowers but the fruit size is just not getting large it's the indian variety so that's it's quite a large fruit actually the indian variety Um, And really what you should see now is over the next month or so, if the conditions are hot and moist, you'll find that um, the fruit will get large and soft. And um, once it, of course, starts to yellow, goes from that dark green to a bit of a a yellowing or even white sort of look on on the fruit, um, it's time to harvest. But it's a little early in the the game in Perth to be worrying about the fruit not getting much bigger. They will get bigger. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Remember, if you've got, got any of these kinds of questions post a photo and and also make sure you like our page as we're going along it does share this amongst your friends and lets people know on Facebook um, the good work that we're doing so thank you for for your support Nadine. Thelma in South Gippsland in Victoria your amazing gar- gardenia has I think that's sooty mould um, now sooty mould you've sprayed for scale And um, the reason why Thelma's a pretty smart gardener and I'll share with you why this is an important thing. So, sooty mold appears, it's a black fungus and it tends to grow on sugar. So it loves really sweet, high um, nutrition sugar bases on it. And the reason that sugar is there is because there's scale on the tree or aphids is the other one and or gardenia in this place in case, so it's a shrub. and what's going on is that ants come and they farm the scale. So they move it around uh, the plant so that it's getting lots and lots of um, fresh new sources of sap. The scale processes that and it emits a, a sucrosey substance from its rear end called honeydew. And the ants come and they feed off the honeydew and they literally gets covered over their body. And as they move around the plant, it's all that sticky honeydew is actually sticking all over the plant. And that's where the sooty mold comes in. You don't need to spray the sooty mold. It will actually disappear when the food source disappears. What you do need to do is make sure that the ants are not moving around and that you get rid of the food source for the ants. So spraying for scale is a good thing to do, Thelma. You are doing a really good job. Around the base of your gardenia, I would recommend that you get some talcum powder, and just do a big powder trail in a big circle around the base. The ants won't cross over the talcum powder. They don't like um, the fine particles get stuck in their 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 um, armor in their their body, and um, it. it causes discomfort. And particularly if they've they've got um, honeydew all over them, it'll stick to them even more. So they'll stay away and that'll stop them farming the scale and spreading it through the rest of your garden too. That's the other thing to keep in mind. Olia, um, I'm not sure where you are, Olia, but you've got an umbrella tree. It's been in a pot for the past 20 years. It's seven foot tall, but it's lost all its leaves and it's dying. Well, it needs to be repotted. The cambium layer is green halfway up from the top. The bottom two foot is brown. Now the cambium layer is the, so you know the bark of the tree as it goes up, you've got the bark and if you just scrapped a little bit of the bark off, you'd see a green layer underneath. That's the beginning of the cambium layer and it has the zyme and the phloem in there. And the this is basically the movement of sap up and down the, the stem of the tree. That's why ring barking is a really dangerous thing. Now, if it's gone brown and there's no green spots underneath, that area is dead. And you probably wanna cut, that, cut it back to that if it's brown at the very bottom it might just be that the bark's getting quite thick on the bottom and it might not be a problem but i'd still scrape it and check it the bottom line is olya i think your tree needs to be repotted it is a difficult time of the year to be repotting um but it's probably better to do it straight away if it's deteriorating pretty badly remember really good quality potting mix look for the red ticks i always use that osmocote premium um potting mix it is the best in the market by a country mile at the moment. It's really doing, they do such a good job, those guys with um, with their potting mix. Dorothy is in Sydney. Hello, Dorothy. Um, got the cricket going on over there at the moment. I hope everything's well. How do you get rid of stink bugs on your citrus tree? All right, well stink bugs can be a real problem this time of the year, and nobody likes a stink bug. They're the ones with the big cross on the back. Um, Crusader bugs, there's a whole bunch of them. My advice is that you look at using a dust treatment. So there's quite a few different garden dust, deris dust and so on. This will affect them quite badly and they'll go away quite quickly. So um, it's it's quite simple, you just dust around. Usually they come in a puffer pack and that'll fix the um, that'll fix the um the problem so i hope that helps erica is in adelaide we're all over the country today which is just fabulous to see hello erica how are you um you've got a mandarin it's an imperial mandarin and the fruit drop off when they're about the size of a okay i'm not quite sure what that is but i would suggest that um when they're smaller now you've been applying seesaw regularly but the fruit's still dropping off it's next to an apricot that's thriving and they'll plant at the same time Here's my advice, Erica, right now, apply some um, sulphate of potash around the base of the tree and you can mix them up in the watering can as well and apply it over the foliage. Do it at night. Don't do it at the beginning of the day because if you get a hot day, it can cause a bit of burning. But um, effectively what you're going to do is you're going to harden up the tree. It's going to hang on to that fruit a lot tighter so you shouldn't lose all of your fruit. It is natural for fruit to fall off Um, As the tree's getting older and bigger, a a natural shedding tends to occur as the tree manages the the crop and how much it can hold. I've got an avocado that had thousands of fruit in it and it's probably dropped, I reckon, a third of the fruit. And when they got to about that big, it was a bit devastating to see them on the floor but all the rest of the fruit now are really growing quickly and are a lot larger. And this is just the tree naturally, naturally managing the, the crop, the amount of energy it can, can produce, which means that you'll end up with bigger fruit anyway. So it's not such a bad thing. Hope that helps. And I hope everything's going well down there in Adelaide. Erica, thanks for your question. Rita is in Melbourne. Hello, Rita. You've got October glory maples. Um, they were planted in September and the leaves look burnt. Okay, here's my advice. I've got October Glory maples. They're those beautiful red maples that come from North America. They're a very special selection. They were introduced into Australia by those very clever people at Fleming's Nurseries, who are up there in Mombolk in Victoria. Um, When autumn comes around, this tree is just magnificent. But in its first year, and sometimes in its second year, you will find that the tree does struggle. It needs to get its root system down nice and deep and really well and established. You can offset some of the burn that you're seeing on the foliage by mulching around the base, but this has all got to do with moisture levels in the soil at the moment. It's certainly the, the extreme of the sun, but what's happening is there's not enough roots to generate enough moisture to keep all those leaves hydrated. And what happens is as they start to dehydrate, the outside edges of the leaves start to get f- like, basically frizz, frizzed if they're, they're cooked on the outside edge. Somebody help me here, um, <laughs> I'm struggling. Yeah, so they're, they're just burning around the outside edge of the leaf. That's all that's going on. I hope that helps, Rita. They are a magnificent tree, be patient you will end up with the most gorgeous autumns because they just look spectacular it's such a beautiful tree one of the great loves in my garden i love the autumn time and it's very much because of the october glory maples if you're looking for a beautiful mid-sized tree that's one you want to take um, take and put into your garden and remember give us give us a like if you're listening in if you're watching what we're doing Make sure you like us, it really does help us a lot. So click that like button, just press it just there. (laughs) That's it.
1: Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on The Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show you jump online and visit their website.
0: Linda, I'm not sure where you're from. We're looking for some advice on how to start planning an acreage landscaping. Now we're looking to plant natives and also create a food garden, and it is very much about a plan, Linda. It really is. There's nothing if you get a, if you get your plan right you can progressively implement the plan. You can do things like put structural trees in, um, you can, can focus on certain sections of the garden and you can do it staged. So it helps you from a budgeting point of view as well. And the best thing to do is to go to the local landscape industry website. So I'm not sure what state, this is where it really helps, what state or city you're in. But if you jump online, Google your local landscape industry and find a garden designer. You want a designer to come in have a look, work out a plan with you, listen to what it is you're trying to achieve and their expertise will help you work out how to stage the the implementation of the garden as you start to grow it. Acreage landscaping does cost a lot, but if you do the planning the right way, you end up with the most beautiful gardens now we're heading back up to queensland hello liz on the central coast you've got some monsteria deliciosa that's what it is and they are delicious monsters as well now they've been grown from cuttings and the parent plant has masses of fruit will the cuttings fruit um Highly likely they probably will. Uh, it's it's generally from a cutting, it'll just continue on performing as the parent plant did. Uh, do you want the fruit on? Probably not in the first year. You want to encourage it to get a good root system and get growing. Monst- Monstera are just the most beautiful indoor plants, but out in a, in a open garden under the shade of a tree, they can grow up into the tree and they produce this fruit and it's a really interesting fruit. So it's a big, long, oblong fruit like, probably a little bit like a, um, uh, let me think about the zucchini, right? So it's about the, the length and size of a zucchini and it has a sheath around the outside. Now to get the fruit to pollinate, you need to heat it up. So grab it and rub your hands up and down the fruit quite a few times and it warms it up, right? And then what happens is you end up with it, um, it opens up the pollen and it pollinates and that fruit will actually then develop on the outside and it's plump and it's sweet and delicious a really delicious fruit to enjoy. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and then remember, those some of those small cuttings, they can come inside. But the trick is definitely to, to make sure you're rubbing that fruit, okay? So you get it nice and warm. It's really, um, it helps get the good fruit set going. Michael in Melbourne. Um, actually, I've, I've jumped, I've gone a little bit too fast. Uh, Lorraine's got an umbrella tree with small leaves and she believes they're very invasive. Is that true? No, it's not really true. The The miniature umbrella is a lovely, grows into quite a large shrub, even a small tree, if you shape it that way. definitely not invasive it won't jump and move around and it's unusual to see this seed from this plant germinate in other places unless you're very you know hot humid and warm if it's in a hot humid warm sticky environment sometimes that seed will germinate and start to come up michael's in melbourne hello michael you'd like to start trying to grow some plants from cuttings what time of the year should you start trying it any tips well look if you're going to grow some of the tropicals like Bougainvilliers or hibiscus or even frangipani Now is a good time to do it. Frangipanis is an unusual one. So the frangipani cutting, you actually take it, cut it off and lay it on the ground and let it dry out for at least 24 hours before you plant it. that can just go straight into potting mix. But the rest of them, anything else that you're going to try and grow, you would typically try and do it in a humid environment. So you don't want it to be too humid, but you don't want moisture to be, you don't want the, the, the cuttings to dry out. So you don't want to lose that moisture. So it's about controlling the environment. Now, a lot of plants are grown from cutting generally in that April, May period of time when humidity's increased, moisture levels are fairly consistent and you're, you're in a really easy environment. A simple way to grow them, of course, is to get one of those little mini greenhouses that you can get from people like uh, Fothergills who sell them through uh, the local Bunnings store that you'll have around the corner or good garden centres. And in the, that environment, um, you'll have quite a lot of success. But there's so many different plants, Michael, you can grow. So it might be worthwhile having a think about what is it that you really like, and then looking at trying some different cuttings of different plants that way. Leah is in Queensland. Hello Leah, so we've gone from Melbourne to Queensland. You've got grasshoppers eating some of your plant's leaves. What's the best solution to get rid of them? I think deris dust is probably one of the best treatments I've got. It's a natural, naturally occurring plant derivative that that controls a lot of different bugs from you know, chewers right through to things like grasshoppers that fly in, fly out. Big problem for the grasshoppers is they don't actually like the dust itself. So they'll, they'll tend to move on and they won't chew on your plant's leaves. There are some places right across Australia that has you know, quite a significant problem with this. And I have a product that I'll introduce to you later in the year that will be fantastic to help control grasshopper damage on plants, but I'm not quite ready to share it with you yet. It hasn't quite come out. Let's keep going. We have got so many questions coming through. Sandra, brown turkey fig. I'm not sure where you're from, um, Sandra, but it does help if you let us know. And you've got a dwarf pinkerton avocado. How far from the pool? And um, and low set house should these be planted? Okay. I would suggest that you probably wouldn't want either one of them within probably three metres of the house. The dwarf pinkerton avo... Um, probably could be closer. And I've seen them growing beautifully as a spalliard trees up against the walls of, of houses and in gardens. So that's probably not so bad, but the brown turkey fig has quite a significant root system. So you don't want that getting too close, it's at least three metres from the house and try and keep it nice and, and contained. We get a lot of questions coming out of Maitland in New South Wales. And Christie sent us one, I'm having problems with growing cauliflower and broccoli. What are you doing wrong? Probably growing on this time of the year. It is very hard this time of the year to grow cauliflower and broccoli. They tend to really take off and shoot and produce flowers before they'll really put in um, the the vegetable that you're looking for, those nice big Um, flower bracts that that we enjoy. So I I wouldn't grow them, um, Christy, until probably May, maybe June, when the weather is really cooled down and then you'll get great plants. Uh, And and that's probably the suggestion I've got for you. Amanda, she's got a bag of dynamic lifter pellets and with two dogs she wanted to dilute the pellets to use on the lawn. How much should I dissolve? Um, Amanda, I just wouldn't do that. I'm not gonna recommend you do that at at all. The outcome of wetting Dynamic Lifter pellets is something that is not very attractive or appealing and there are so much better things to use for lawns than doing what you're going to do. Dynamic Lifter is really a good soil improver and it has a nutritional benefit for plants. Put that into garden beds, dig it into the soil, but don't put it on your lawn. I wouldn't recommend it. And uh, Natalia is in Ipswich in Queensland. A uh, couple of questions coming out of Ipswich, which is great. What's the best way to get rid of crinum grubs now without poisoning the birds and other insects? So the crinum is a, uh, is a lily and it's a beautiful big um, plant with lovely big white spider-like flowers. And you, you do get a few different um, insects uh, that that will attack it the best way to control it is with uh, an insecticide which is and uses a natural biological agent basically a bacteria it's called success and um, you'll get that from your local garden center so look for success and you'll enjoy success with your crinums Um, Aruni in Perth hello Aruni how are you planted a small fig which fruited a couple of months ago and it's watered well during the hot days we've had in Perth. It's in a sunny spot in the ground. I've noticed the leaves are now dropping. Does it need shade? Well, look, no. Um, I've got the same thing going on with one of my figs in my garden, and it's purely down to soil moisture levels. And that's basically saying, there's just not enough moisture in the soil. So the plant is now managing its foliage. So it's dropping leaves. Um, to be able to support the leaves that, usually the new leaves that are growing um, with what what moisture is available. Aruni, what I would recommend you do is that you apply a wetting agent into the soil. That will help enormously and uh, should stop the plant from actually uh, getting those yellow leaves and dropping leaves. Anthony's in Adelaide. Hello, how do I get rid of crickets from my garden? Okay, I'm not sure why you'd want to get rid of them because they're actually a, a good thing as a general comment, unless, of course, they're eating your favourite plants. And again, a deris Dust, there, there are some cricket and grasshopper baits that you can get out there as well. You need to get into your local garden centre. Just have a quick chat with the, the horticulturalists there and they'll give you one of the options that you can take a look at. Uh, Susan is in Geelong. She's got a bacon avocado and she said that it's sulking. Now again, leaning an axe up against a tree can be very motivational at times, Susan, but um, this one's only young and it's not looking very happy. Any advice? Avocados can take a fair bit of work in the first few years to get them going. The risk with them um, when they're young is that they can get root rot diseases. So there is a um, a product called anti-rot, and if you're starting to feel like you think that it's actually deteriorating, maybe soaking the soil with that will help. Protecting a small tree is uh, is an important thing with a kind of barrier, I suppose, around the outside. And the other thing I would say to you, Susan, that you might want to think about is just um, soaking the ground at the moment, soaking the soil at the base and even over the foliage with sea salt. That will help a lot. Leanne is, we're saying in Victoria, she's in Dandenong. Um, She's got a cycad, it has got some brown spots on the underside of it's fronds, Uh, what's the best way to get rid of them? Those brown spots are highly likely to be brown scale, very common. If you leave it there, what will happen is those leaves will start to yellow. So you can do one of two things. You can either cut those leaves off by hand or you can spray that, that plant. And I would do it in the evening, not during the day, because if you get a hot day, you could end up with all sorts of problems. But my suggestion is that you spray underneath with a um, something like um, eco oil or one of the, the white oil derivatives. Um, they're really good ways to get control of, of um, brown scale on cycads. Now we're going to New South Wales, we're going to the Hunter Valley. Hello Michelle, how are you? Uh, Looking for a feature tree for a front yard, clay, loam soil, bit of shade, and you're looking for something that's going to grow to five metres and ideally frost tolerant. My recommendation, we were just talking about some of the beautiful maples. And uh, in the Hunter Valley, you can grow some magnificent maples there. So maybe a bit of a look at one of the the, the varieties of maples. There's some lovely red foliage ones and it would just look spectacular um, having something turning brilliant red uh, this time of the year. That's something you should take a look at. That's my recommendation for you, Michelle. This
1: program is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as Nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au
0: Anne, I'm not sure where you're from this year. Your Hass avocado is dropping 20 to 30 immature fruit every day. Why is this? Now, I did mention to you that I have the same thing. I've got a um, at at home that's doing the same thing at the moment and it's got to do with soil moisture content so the 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 amount of moisture around the base of the tree the tree is actually working out how many how many fruit it can support and it'll keep dropping immature fruit until such a time as it, it's got a stable number of fruit that it can supply enough moisture to that's the solution so have a look at the the moisture you've got but this is a bit of a natural process and um, the more fruit that the tree has the smaller the fruit will be so by naturally shedding it's effectively going to give you a smaller number but some lovely large bigger fruit so i hope that helps belinda is in missionbury in sydney hello belinda nice to see you you've got a snail and slug problem with your raised veggie garden how do you get rid of them they're eating everything um i'll tell you what i'll show you exactly what you could do I'm back, I just had some there on the shelf that I wanted to show you. Um, Snails and slugs have no tolerance of copper. So um, if you, to use something like bluestone around the outside edge as a barrier, it's going to stop them from going and getting there. I'm not a big fan of um, the uh, snail and slug baits as a general comment because The vast majority of them use a a very, very toxic poison in them, which stays in the soil and it's not good if it gets to any pets or if it spreads through the environment. It's not not a handy thing to do. So I'd look at something natural. So a natural barrier using copper is a great way to go. But the other solution that you could think about is that there is an iron-based solution as well. Um, Now is the time to be treating them. If If it's moist and warm, and you know what it's like when it's moist and warm, it really starts to sort of encourage them to grow really quickly and they spread through and they do so much they'll eat everything. So you're quite right. Hopefully um, that helps. Stetlana, you've asked us. um, Oh, so you've got frangipani leaf rust. Okay, well you do need to get a a fungicide for that. If it's the evergreen frangipani, that's kind of a fairly common problem with it, but it does generally naturally control itself. feeding frangipanis with the right fertiliser can build up resilience to leaf rust quite well but treating treating it is important so i'd get into my local garden centre there's a few different rust fungicides and i would have a look at what's available there and and maybe that'll uh, that'll solve the problem for you. Uh, hard one to treat, cause you actually wanna get spraying under the foliage as well as over the top of the foliage. Hope that helps. Anthony in Southeast Queensland, you've just laid 3000 square meters of wintergreen cooch. That's almost an acre, that's, that's amazing. And uh, you wanna know what fertilizer I would recommend and how often you should fertilize. So my recommendation is that you lo- use a slow release uh, fertilizer with that much lawn. Um, 90% of, of lawn fertilizers leach be- below those fast release, leach below the roots. So, a slow release, something like Lawn Builder from the guys at Scott's, is ideal. It's what the professionals use. So, I'd be using that. You only need to use that probably, ideally, maybe every third month um, with that sort of area if you're really looking for something to be pristine, or even every four months. Um, so three times a year, that's all you need to do. I hope that helps, Anthony. It's a big lawn. It's gonna be some serious mowing going on there. I know my mate Nigel Ruck would love that. He'd take one look at that and he'd go, nasty. That's what he does. Annette from Wanden in the Yarra Valley. Beautiful Wanden. It's a lovely part of the world. You've got a magnolia clinging to life and it's infested with spiders. What's the best way for this beginner gardener to help it? Well, magnolias love food. That's the first thing. I'm not sure why it's infested with spiders. It suggests that they're probably feeding on something. So you might have a situation where you've got a fair few insects sitting in there. Um, My recommendation is I I wouldn't treat the spiders. Spiders are a good thing in the garden and if you've seen our uh, Facebook page I took a photo of one recently that was in my garden and it's quite spectacular but a little bit scary for those of you who are scared of spiders. Um, They are a good thing so I would leave them. They're, They're doing good. What's going on though with the magnolia is probably more of a concern. So moisture and nutrient is the key feed it up, Annette, that'll help it a lot. And it should do well in Wondon. In, um, the, the Yarra Valley is a beautiful part of the world and grow, you can grow some beautiful gardens there. Remember folks, um, we're almost finished, but please, if you've enjoyed today's show, make sure you like us. It's really good. Just like the page and it really helps a lot. Now we're down to our last two questions. Um, Lorraine from Wollongong. Hello Lorraine. Uh, You've got a red frangipani that started started it from cutting. It's been very slow. It has um, some prongs about two centimeters, but no leaves. It's been in for about two months. All right, well, it should be starting to grow now. And they can be very slow. The red is probably the least vigorous of all of the frangies. It's the one that I think is one of the most beautiful, particularly that blood red, it's just gorgeous. So it's worth persevering with. Moisture, you shouldn't have too many problems with, with moisture around the outside of it at the moment, but keep the moisture up to it, make sure that it's not drying out and it'll do its thing, it'll get growing. Oh, Diane from Sydney, will tomatoes flower again after all the flowers have had fruit? Uh, yes, it should continue to keep flowering. What you tend to find is it'll have a second flush as you move into the autumn months. So. Um, you can do that in my garden. I'm probably gonna tear some of my tomato bushes out. They had one big, really good crop that came in through sort of December and, and over the Christmas period. Um, but I'm gonna start off with some fresh ones in a new spot in the garden. So it's really up to you how you go. Um, but yeah, the answer is that they will produce uh, more flowers and more fruit. The crop just won't be quite as big. Philip in Hobart, we're saying we're, we're saying goodbye to you guys all today. Uh, with our last question in Hobart and he wants to know the best time to split up with his orchids well i'm assuming that we are talking about symbidium orchids and the best time to split those is generally sort of january february and put them out into the sun, right? So then in March and April, they'll produce a lot of growth. They'll reestablish themselves. And in May, they'll start producing flower buds. And in June, July, you should be seeing lots of flowers coming through. Hope that helps Philip, but really probably now in the next month or so is the best time to do it. Well, that's it. Um, we are going to wrap it up. Michaela is going to message our winners of the nine packets of Mr. Fothergill's seeds. Thanks very much, Mr. Fothergills, and she'll do that after today's show. Keep an eye out to see if you have won yourself a packet of seeds and we'll send it off to you. Remember, you can always, if you want to review what we've talked about today, you can do that um, by listening back to the live stream, or you can catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Podbean, and uh, now, last week this is really important, make sure you're uh, paying attention. We asked you what um, day you would like us to be doing this this show. Uh, previously, uh, we have done it, and we wanted to know the time that was most convenient uh, for you to tune into our weekly live stream. And for everybody who responded, and there was a lot of you, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It's gonna be hard to make everybody happy, but we are happy to announce that we will be going live to Facebook, from this Friday, that's the 15th of January, and it'll be at 7pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which means that, uh, you know, things are settled down in the garden. You can be inside, you can grab a nice cold drink or a cup of tea and sit down and ask us your garden questions. And of course, um, back in Perth, that is uh, at four o'clock and uh, in the other states, just check your time, check your guides there now what else should we be talking oh i know what i need to tell you about we are filming the garden gurus in fact we kick off next week i'm going to i've got some stories i'm going to do in my garden Uh, you'll get to see some of the pain that i've been going through i know you're going through a bit Um, But that's the good news, that we are back filming and we're going to air at the end of February. In fact, the 20th of February on Channel 9 right across Australia. And I'm not even sure what number series this is. It's uh, our 20th year, so I think it's about 39 or something like that, which is just crazy. So um, really looking forward to producing it. Lots of great stories. We've got Nigel and Bon holding on, ready to go, hopefully, Uh, things will all be good. And, of course, we'll have Nev and Sue joining us again as well. How did we go? Was it all right? Make sure you like it. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much for watching us. Happy gardening, and I'll see you soon. The Garden Gurus is back on your screens this weekend. Tune in to 9
1: and 9 HD this Saturday at 4.30 p.m. across all states. And if you'd like to catch up on the previous episode, Tune into Nine Life this Saturday at 5 pm. When in doubt, make sure you check your local TV
0: guide.